I have my orders too, sir. They don't include me abandoning my post. I understand that, but this changes things. I don't see that it does, sir. The chief of staff for the United States Army says it does. Sir, our orders are to hold this bridge at all costs. Our planes in the 82nd have taken out every bridge across the Murderette with the exception of two. One at Valone and this one here. We let the Germans take it. We're going to lose our foothold and have to displace. Private, your outfit wants to stay. That's one thing. I can't, your party's I, over here. Sir, I can't leave until at least reinforcements You got here. three minutes to gather your gear. Sir, what about them? I mean, two of our guys already died trying to find you, all right? What were their names? Arwen Wade and Adrian Caparzo. Wade and... Caparzo. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense, sir. Why? Why, me? Why do I deserve to go? Why not any of these guys? They all fought just as hard as me. Is that what they're supposed to tell your mother? When they send her another folded American flag? Tell her that when you found me, I was here, and I was with the only brothers that I have left, and that there's no way I was going to desert them. I think she'll understand that. Hi, everybody. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Started off with that clip from uh, the movie Saving Private Ryan. I think you guys all know why, because of what's going on in the news. I'm going to talk about the ridiculousness and the uh, just the the anger and emotion that I feel from some idiot Congress lady that's grandstanding on using a using a death of a uh, of a soldier to make political, uh, I don't know, political headlines, but we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. I'm going to talk about that and everything else that's going on, but first let me introduce myself. My name's Ed Hoffman, President Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender located in here in Southern California, offices all over the place. If you're interested in getting involved in any fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing and you hear something and you think that uh, maybe uh, this guy on the radio thinks like you do. Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And one last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone because you don't want me to hear your voice or your emotions, or you don't want your neighbors at work to hear your stuff because you're stealing time from your boss, uh, wait till your uh, government-mandated 15-minute break or your government-mandated 30-minute uh, minimum lunch and uh, go to WCCLoans.com. Click on the Loan Center. Click on Apply Now. Give me as much information as you want me to have and tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from either myself or one of my uh, teammates. And uh, and if you talk to one of my teammates, understand that's me too. Because uh, if they're, you're talking to them and they get to something that's a little more complicated than than uh, what the big, the big dog knows how to do, they walk into the big dog's office and interrupt me whatever I'm doing and I work on your loan. So uh, that works. So WCCLoans.com. Uh, if you hear something you want repeated, uh, you can hear the repeat of the uh, of the show. You can hear it on podcast at edhoffman.net. Edhoffman.net. Um, click on the podcast page, or you can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, uh, where you can actually uh, listen to it on demand, or you can actually have it. Uh, you can subscribe to it for free. It'll uh, once a week when we upload it. It'll download on your. Uh, your iPad, your iPhone, your iWatch, your computer, whatever, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, follow the show on uh, social media. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, at 
Ed Hoffman. You know, and I look on some of these these handles on uh, on Twitter, and I'm thinking I must have got on really early and created this Facebook or this uh, Twitter account, and because I got at Ed Hoffman, I didn't have to put at Ed Hoffman nine three eight six seven. Um, so just at Ed Hoffman is me, um, where I'll tweet about current current events all week long. Sometimes more than others. Sometimes I get on a rant and I'm tweeting all the time. I've done uh, Facebook a little bit more often because I don't have to limit it to 140 characters so I can be as wordy as I want. Um, but I think uh, more of you political junkies are on Twitter more often because it's quick and easy. And uh, I don't know. It's uh, So at Ed Hoffman is my Twitter. Um, if you want to follow the show at Facebook, facebook.com slash the main event Ed Hoffman. Kind of long. I'll ask Brooke to figure out something really cool. Hey, facebook.com slash TME. Or something. I know, something easier. Uh, if you want to leave me some comments on the show, if you hear something you think I'm ridiculously out of line on, or if you think I'm an idiot, or if you say, man, you inspire me, the listener hotline is 855-640-2092. So anyway, let's talk about the stuff that's going on. Um, where do I start? Where do I start? Here it is. I moved. I moved my subjects around on my notes. So, uh, as many of you have heard, four American Green Berets were tragically killed in an African in the African country of Niger, 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 however you say it. Um, I know it's not how everybody else thinks it looks. Uh, about 50 ISIS militants ambushed them at their patrol station. Um, apparently, there was 50 of them on motorcycles with uh, uh, rocket-propelled grenades and machine guns, and um, and there's four of them killed. Apparently, the, they found three of them right away, and uh, this uh, last one uh, was missing, and they found him two days later. Um, now the congresswoman, one of those uh, congresswoman of one of those soldiers, um, is politicizing the death of her constituent. Now let's remember who this congresswoman is. It's her name is uh, Frederica Wilson. She's African American congresswoman from Miami. She wears the flashy cowboy hats, and uh, she's got a loud, screechy voice. And you may remember her by this quote: "I'm going to say it like I see it. Trayvon was hunted down like a rabbit dog. He was shot in the street. He was racially profiled." So you know, from that standpoint, before you even go anywhere else. You know what? Why is Frederica Wilson getting involved in in anything? I have a feeling it's because La David was black. The three, uh, the four uh, Green Berets that were killed, he was the one black guy, um, which to me doesn't make a difference. But because he, Frederica Wilson, is such a racially profiled, fueled person, I don't know. If Frederica Wilson's in the in the story, if Maxine Waters is in the is in the headlines, it's got to be having something to do with with race. If it's uh, uh, you know um, Richard Fowler on Fox, uh, you know there's there's certain people that only get involved. It's just about like Al Sharpton, you know, the the race baiters. They try to try to get as much headlines whenever there's something of race in there. So uh, so. Consider that African American congresswoman from Miami. She wears those flashy cowboy hats. She looks ridiculous. So she's going around claiming President Trump made an insensitive remark to the widow of Sergeant D- Lud David Johnson. His name is Lud David Johnson. According to Wilson, the remark in question is he knew what he was getting into, but it hurts anyway, I guess. 
Now, keep in mind, we have yet to hear this story from the widow herself. Wilson says this happened when the president called Mrs. Johnson on the phone as they were driving to collect her husband's body in his flag-draped casket. Now, before I play this next clip, think about this. Whether you're the president or you're just uh, the president's secretary or no matter who it is, you have to tell somebody that her husband died or her son died. Think about this. What's your attitude like? How do you feel inside, inside your heart? How do you, you know, I, I remember watching President Reagan deal with the, uh, the memorial to the astronauts and the people that weren't astronauts that were in the, the space shuttle Challenger. And I just go, man, how did he keep it together and tell that speech? And how did he walk up to each of the family members and shake their hands and give them a hug and keep it together and not, not be crying himself? And I just, I was amazed at what that takes. And maybe it just takes, maybe he just had to psych up for it. Maybe he had to practice, but think about that. Trump's calling, calling four families and, and don't think that, that anybody is that callous that they would do that and not have some feelings there. And, uh, so on Wednesday, Frederica Wilson was a calling guest on the ultra, ultra liberal show that should be outlawed the view. And of course her story was, was barely challenged. Do you think President Trump was aware you were in the car at that moment listening to the call? Well, I think that President Trump was aware that we were on the way to retrieve the body from the airport to bring it back to the funeral home. So I'm sure he knew that I was not the only person in the car. It was a limousine. So I'm not the only person who heard the conversation. Uh Uh And the call was on speakerphone. And she was crumpled up in a ball. She weighs maybe 103 pounds. She's six months pregnant. She had just found out that her husband would not be able to have an open casket funeral because of the condition of the body. So she was grief-stricken. Oh, my God. Guess what? Every widow's grief-stricken when they find out their husband died. Oh, well, he knew we were on our way to pick up the body. She asked, hey, did he know that there were other people in the car? Did he know that you were there? Did he know she, that was she actually on speaker? Never even answered that. She's just talking about the Mrs. Johnson was 103 pounds and, and grief stricken. Hey, I feel bad for her. Why are you, why are you, what do you, how do you think, uh, David Johnson's wife and his family feel about all the, all the, uh, publicity this is getting? Is this helping them? Because to my knowledge, when somebody dies, there's nothing you can say that makes makes the family feel better. There's not a damn thing you could say. Hey, you know what? Uh, what what can you say? My son called me the other day. One of his friends at church had a had a brother that committed suicide, and he called me and and didn't know what to do. And I said, "There's nothing you can do. Be there for him. Give him a hug. Let him talk to you. Listen. You know, it's 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 grief that you you can't you." You just there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can turn back when a person dies, for whatever reason. And Frederica Wilson is making a big deal out of this. It makes me want to just punch her in the face. I'm sorry, I didn't say that out loud. I didn't mean to. So the only one on the View who tried to challenge uh, Wilson's story was Megan McCain, who I didn't really even know was on the View because she used to be on Outnumbered, and uh, apparently she got a better offer. Uh, but Megan McCain is uh, is conservative. You got to have one one token conservative on the View, just to see how long they can last with Whoopi and Joy, whatever her name is, and all that. Uh, here's Megan. 
You know, Congresswoman, I'm very uncomfortable with all of this. I don't like the cheering of calling our president a liar. I don't like the cheering talking about a man who has given for our freedom at this point. This was a private call between a widow and the president. Why did you feel the need to speak out? And do you think at any point that she will either confirm or deny what you're saying right now? Well, when I exited the car, because I am from Miami, my local press surrounded me. The, it had, they had, Mr. Trump had evidently told the press that he was going to call the widow. So they asked me, they said, Congresswoman Wilson, did he call the widow? I said, yes, he did. They said, did you hear the call? I said, yes, I did. They said, what did he say? And I told them what he said. And then um, she, I just told them that one line. And then um, that was that was the end of that. But just because you asked isn't necessarily your role to answer. I mean, this is deeply private and personal. I mean, again, I don't know the context of it, and I understand that, you know, well, we, let me, we have... Let me, first of all, let me tell you my relationship to him. I have a mentoring program in Miami called the 5,000 Role Models of Excellence Project, and I mentored this young boy from a little boy in elementary school through this program all the way through high school. This brother... Oh, my God. Well, let's just avoid the question. Let's talk about my relationship with this boy. We got the 5,000. I can't talk like that. 5,000 role models of excellence project. 5,000 role models. So they bring. So I Googled this thing and apparently they bring in. Uh, people to meet little kids that are in uh, in uh, one. Per- I think it's one particular school. But okay, here's a here's some poor kids, some poor kids or or some uh, minority kids that uh, get to meet some some well-to-do people, and it gives helps their self-esteem. That's great. Five thousand. Well, according to my calculations, that's about two a day for every day from kindergarten all the way through. 12th grade. Um, maybe you guys should spend some time teaching these kids to do math and teach them American history and teach them how to spell. I know we got spell check. I know I understand that you don't need to know how to spell anything, but teach some kids some life, some life lessons so that they can go to, they can go on to the next step after they get out of high school instead of just teaching them to meet 5,000 role models of excellence. Okay. So I get off the subject. So next to Congresswoman tried to blame, uh, the tragedy in Niger. On who else? President Trump. Why was he the last one found? Why did it take 48 hours for them to discover him? Why wasn't he in a car, an armored truck? Why did he have weapons uh, weaker than the uh, terrorist weapons? Why were they able to surround them and kill them? This is going to be Mr. Trump's Benghazi because I cannot get the answers. Nobody can get the answers. And until we get those answers, it is his Benghazi. And this whole thing about what he said to the widow is a cover-up. It's a cover-up. Pretty amazing when uh, he's she, his Trump is doing a cover up when she's the one who created the story. I don't know. Seems kind of stupid to me. And you know when you hear the rest of the story of what happened in Niger, um, these guys got got uh, ambushed, and within uh, thirty minutes there was a a French a French um, 
airplane came over and and scattered all the ice all the ISIS fighter fighters and they got helicopter in there and took the took the guys away. It's amazing what happens. This is Trump's Benghazi. Guess what? There was somebody watching there and they got into trouble and somebody came to their rescue. Okay, some people died, but guess what? Uh, that's part of that's part of war. That's kind of what that's kind of what essentially President Trump said was. He said, and as I understand it, the lines that were missing, he said, hey, he knew what he was signing up for, and uh, but I guess hurts anyway. From what I understand, he said he knew what he was signing up for, but he served anyway. And and he went on. He served anyway. And you know what? These military guys, these military guys, you know, I'll tell you. Let me give you some background. I, I don't come from a military family. My uh, my My parents were Democrats. My, uh, I've said it many times. My dad was an example of what absolutely everything I didn't want to be in my life. Um, I grew up in, uh, you know, I was born in 61. So, uh, by the time, uh, Vietnam was over, I was like 12. So I wasn't eligible for that. We didn't go to war again until, uh, 1990. And by that time I'm, uh, I'm almost 30 and I got two kids and all that stuff. So wouldn't it, wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have gone to war anyway, had I done it. And as I've become patriotic, I've gotten involved with the veterans and I do a lot of charity stuff with the veterans and I support these guys like crazy because I know what a great country we have. I know what what a, a poor kid from Lakewood with uh, with some bad uh, role role models uh, can do when I just say I'm gonna I'm gonna do this I'm gonna I'm gonna figure a way to win and uh, and how I've how I've uh, how I've succeeded in life and it's uh, it's showing up in how my kids are as well so um, so. When you watch when you watch the scene in the view, this lady just ranted and ranted and ranted and ranted. Finally, they're going, Congresswoman, Congresswoman. Finally, uh, Whoopi had to cut her off, and they said, and they just faded her out and went to commercial because she wouldn't. You know, she thinks she thinks pretty highly of herself. Listen to what she said this morning. I'm a rock star now. <laughs> I'm a rock star. She thinks everybody's talking about her because so, so she's a rock star. She's a moron. She's a moron. And if you and if you haven't ever seen what she looks like, this lady's 74 years old and she looks like she's brand new. She looks ridiculous. Reminds me of a little piece of one of my favorite little scenes from a, that I've never played on the radio that uh, uh, from a movie called The 25th Hour. Here's about five seconds of it. Overfed faces getting pulled and lifted and stretched all taut and shiny. You're not fooling anybody, sweetheart. Yeah, she looks like she's been under the knife in the plastic surgeon's office several times because she's all taut and shiny. It looks like she had a uh, turtle wax buff on her face. And uh, you know what? With that dumb cowboy hat, she's a moron. So, but that's me. So here's here's what really happened. White House Chief of, Chief of Staff General John Kelly delivered this smackdown of Congresswoman uh, uh, Wilson's story on Thursday. If you elect to call a family like this, it is about the most difficult thing you could imagine. There's no perfect way to make that phone call. He called four people the other day and expressed his condolences in the best way that he could. And he said to me, what do I say? Uh, I said to him, sir, there's nothing you can do to lighten the burden on these families. But let me tell you what I tell them. Let me tell you what my best friend Joe Dunford told me, because he was my casualty officer. He said, Kel, um, he was doing 
exactly what he wanted to do when he was killed. He knew what he was getting into by joining the, that 1%. He knew what the possibilities were because we're at war. And when he died, in the four cases we're talking about in Niger, my son's case in Afghanistan, when he died, he was surrounded by the best men on this earth, his friends. That's what the president tried to say to, a fam to four families the other day. I was stunned when I came to work yesterday morning and brokenhearted at what I saw a member of Congress doing. A member of Congress who listened in on a phone call from the President of the United States to a young wife and in his way tried to express that opinion. He's a brave man, a fallen hero. He knew what he was getting himself into because he enlisted. There's no reason to enlist. He enlisted. And he was where he wanted to be, exactly where he wanted to be with exactly the people he wanted to be with when his life was taken. That was the message. That was the message that was transmitted. It stuns me that a member of Congress would have listened in on that conversation. Absolutely stuns me. Stuns me too. And uh, for those of you that I, you, I think the whole speech was about 19 minutes long and uh, purposely didn't use some of the other parts of the speech because um, you know what? It's, it's easy to write a letter when you have to deal with a, with, with something. Hey, I'm going to write an email to this family and how, and I'm going to go back and correct and all this. When you got to talk it, talk it, or you got to do it in person. Um, you have to keep your composure and you have to, you have to try and try and it, it's hard. It's hard. And General Kelly was getting emotional and he talked, if you ever seen the movie taking chance, um, he talked about number one, when his son was killed in, in combat. And he talked about the movie saving chances about a, a kid, uh, chance Phelps who died in, uh, in action. And apparently, uh, General Kelly was right next to him when he, when he was killed in combat and he was his commanding officer. And, uh, it's a HBO movie with, uh, Kevin Bacon who plays the, uh, the soldier who escorts the body home to, uh, to, uh, Wyoming, I think it is, uh, to his, to his family. And it shows how a, how a killed in action soldier is taken care of and every, in every detail. And if you've never watched it, I watched it again last night. I've, I have it on DVD and, and I watch it. Notice it's on, uh, on, on demand. If you have HBO, you can, most of the cable stations you can go. It's probably on Netflix and maybe on Amazon prime. You can watch that. Um, it's an hour and 18 minutes and this movie will keep your attention all the way through. It's, it's, Keep your keep your Kleenex. If you're a patriot, if if you watch this and don't and don't have your eyes dripping, you're probably dead or a Democrat. So it's just amazing to me that that a congresswoman can take an event like this and make it into such a damn circus. Um, many of you know that I I have a 501c3. I have a, a nonprofit where we raise money to help veterans and other people, but uh, called WCC Charities. And if you go to WCCCharities.org, you can find out some of the stuff we've done. But we've been involved with, we actually uh, raised $100,000 to help uh, the Gary Sinise Foundation uh, do the re renovation on a house in San Diego for a triple amputee. We had a uh, we had a triple amputee that had got one of these houses, Juan Dominguez from Temecula, come out and speak at one of our events, and uh, he 
you know what? These guys that lose limbs and no regrets, they got in to serve our country. And Juan made a comment. He said, you know what? When I got in the Marines, I knew I could. I was either coming home or I'm coming home in a body bag. I never considered I might come home in pieces. And here's a guy who's 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 drumming. He's working on cars. He's got one arm. He's got a left arm. He lost his right arm and two legs uh, above the knee. And he's in there. And he's, you know, no regrets. He did. He did what he did with his eyes open. And that's how great our patriots, our heroes, are that fight for our country. And showing them such disrespect by making their death into such a circus is bull. Stay tuned for five minutes of uh, traffic, weather, and commercials, and we're going to come back and finish everything else that's happening this week on part two of the main event. Don't go away. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. You know what? I don't talk much about uh, mortgages on this show. I've been doing it for almost 10 years. The end of December will be 10 years on the on the air here. The only time you want to hear about mortgages is if you're in the in the market for one. And every other than that, you don't want to. It's it's boring. But uh, so we talk about what's on here. You get to know me. And if you uh, hear somebody that sounds like they think like you and you're in the market to buy a house, to refinance a house, refinance a purchase, uh, or buy a house, or a house to live in, a house to for a vacation home, an investment property. If you want to rearrange some of your finances on your properties, or if you're over 62 and you want to get some more information on that thing called reverse mortgage that everybody's talking about because all us baby boomers are getting towards retirement, and some of you don't have as much money as you have time, uh, and you want to see how you can stretch that out, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. 855-640-2020. One last time, area code 855-640-2020. If you hear something you want to comment on, if I move you or or make you bad, the listener hotline is 855-640-2092. Okay, so uh, we talked about the, the Frederica Washington debacle. Let's talk about some other stuff. Uh, this week, Trump administration demonstrated a solid commitment to dismantling the Obama legacy, starting with the Iran nuclear deal. Remember, one of the conditions of the deal was that Congress requires the president to reevaluate or recertify the agreement every 90 days. The most, you know, I didn't even know it was every 90 days. I figured it was probably once a year. Um, The most recent deadline was this week on October 15th when president chose not to recertify the deal. Democrats, of course, don't like like this because everything Barack Obama did is sacred and you can't touch it. You can't unwind our first black presidents. Anything he did, even if it was stupid. (sighs) All righty then. On Fox News Sunday, National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster said he supports the president's decision. What the president, though, has done is he has set out a marker, a marker to the Iranians and to our allies and partners that we have to fix fundamental flaws in this deal. It's a weak deal that is being weakly monitored. And so the president has made clear that he will not permit this deal to provide cover for what we know is is a horrible regime to develop a nuclear weapon. Oh, yeah. The president's supposed to pay attention to things that are going on. You know, the president doesn't need to be involved in everything. Just like as the president of my company, I'm not involved in everything, but I want to have an oversight of what everything that's going on 
So at least I know that if somebody who works for me is going in the wrong direction that I don't want it to go, I can say something. That's what Obama. That's what. That's what Obama. That's what Obama missed because he never talked to anybody but Valerie Jarrett and maybe his wife. I don't even think his wife. Um, but he never talked to Congress. He never talked to the Senate. He never got involved in anything till it was time to to make a speech and read somebody else's words. Um, here's one of the here's one of the disagreeing Democrats, Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut. There is no chance that the deal is going to be renegotiated. The Iranians will not renegotiate it, and neither will the Europeans. And so if we were to pull out of this agreement, as the president is threatening, Iran would get everything they want. They would be able to restart their nuclear program because we would be in violation of the deal. The Europeans would continue to grant them sanctions relief. Their economy would continue to grow, and they would look like the victim in this situation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, all the extremes, they're going to restart their nuclear program. They never stopped. You guys are morons, man. What 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 do the people think? Oh, they're probably gonna drop, put a nuclear bomb here if we if we turn off this deal. The reason that we're turning off the deal is because they don't abide by it anyway. Guess what? Create some more gun laws so that so that the bad guys will start obeying the law and not buy guns and not shoot people. Hello. Guess what? You can make all the agreements you want. They're only as good as the people that sign them, and you can't get a good deal from a bad guy. Oh, you want me to say that again? You can't get a good deal from a bad guy. Guess what? If you're in business or you're in any kind of transactions with people that aren't aren't honest, they don't have ethics, guess what? You're in a bad deal even even if it looks good on the surface because you can't trust anybody. So something to keep in mind, Ayatollah Khomeini, Iran's supreme leader, said this, I don't want to waste our time to respond to rants and whoppers of full-throated president of the United States. The U.S. is the agent of international Zionism. It was, it was the U.S. that created Daesh, which is ISIS, and Takfiri movements, which is Iran's terminology for Sunni extremist groups. He also said the U.S. is infuriated by Iran's role in fighting ISIS. They're angry because the Islamic Republic has failed their plots in Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, and Egypt. Everyone should know that once again, America will receive a slap in the mouth and will be defeated by the people of Iran. Once again, we're defeated by Iran. I don't ever remember any of that stuff happening. Uh, oh, yeah, but they did keep our uh, keep our hostages for about 400 days in Iran, and we didn't do anything about it. Oh, yeah, that was last time we had had uh, a Democrat president who was weak and uh, wouldn't do anything about it. Oh, that was President Jimmy Carter from the 70s. Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, 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 whatever. So as always, there's an ongoing debate over how to properly dismantle the other signature piece of Obama legacy, Obamacare, which I could talk for on this week for about two hours um, because of the wonderfulness of our medical system and uh, some issues going on with uh, medical stuff in my family. But hey, it's we're dealing with it. This time it's Republican leader Lamar Alexander and the Democrat uh, Patty Murray who proposed an agreement to not quite end Obamacare once and for all. They proposed a bipartisan agreement that would fund the so-called cost-sharing reductions. Cost-sharing reductions, CSRs, remember CSRs, cost-sharing reductions, will reimburse it, which reimburse insurers for the cost of low-income patients. The president announced he plans to stop these subsidy payments while the Murray-Alexander plan would fund those subsidies for two years in exchange for the Department of Health and Human Services to accept more appeals from states that request to waive certain Obamacare provisions. Hey, we're going to keep out paying out in exchange for uh, uh, Health and Human Services to consider letting certain more states out of the Obamacare. Why don't you just unwind it? Unwind it. We don't need the government to regulate all this stuff. 
If you pay attention to politics, you know we're, su- we're supposed to jump for joy anytime there's a bipartisan agreement. Fortunately, the president and Paul Ryan don't agree with this one. Here's President Trump addressing the CSRs, cost-saving cost saving, uh, reductions, uh, in the cabinet meeting he made open to the press on Monday. Uh, he knocked out the CSRs. Uh, that was a subsidy to the insurance companies. That was a gift. That was, frankly, uh, what they gave the insurance company. Just take a look at their stocks. Take a look at where their stock was when Obamacare was originally approved and what it is today. You'll see numbers that anybody, if, if you invested in those stocks, you'd be extremely happy. Uh, and they have given them a total gift. They have given them, you could almost call it a payoff, and it's a disgrace. And that money goes to the insurance companies. Yes, uh, let me give you let me give you a little story of uh, a little. Con- I had a I had a doctor's appointment this week, and don't worry, I'm not sick. I just had to have an appointment with him because some government regulation that is something that uh, the doctor could have done with a text message, um, which he does often. But I hadn't seen him for a certain amount of months. So I had to go see him because government said so. Um, so for the most part, his his nurse takes my blood pressure and. Uh, and uh, then sits me down, and then me and uh, me and the doctor chit chat about things. And uh, I talked to him about the insurance regulations and uh, and all the stuff and how high the cost is going. And I said, "Why is it? My wife had surgery a couple years ago. Got a got a hospital bill for one hundred twenty six thousand dollars. I paid five thousand bucks. The insurance company paid twenty one thousand. The rest of it went away. Where's all that money go?" And he goes, "Well." In medical billing, they expect to collect thirty percent of what they of what they bill, is what they bill. And this and this doctor's at Loma Linda, and uh, and I said thirty percent. He goes, he goes, but yeah, you can you can negotiate. All these costs can be negotiated for cash, but you can't nego- What you can't negotiate is uh, is um, you know you can negotiate. Hey, this kind of surgery is going to cost this, but this is if the surgery goes smooth. What you can't negotiate is the what ifs, the 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 contingencies of what could happen when we get in there and hence hey we better stop what we're doing we got to renegotiate and so that's why the prices are so high he said that uh they're not allowed to charge different for other people kind of sounds like the mortgage the mortgage business so they so if if uh insurance company a pays at one level and another company pays a little bit higher level another company pays a little bit higher level they have to charge higher than the highest level or else they can't get what they could get for these services. I say, well, it sounds exactly like the mortgage business. The government comes in and puts regulations on, dumb regulations on how we do business. It creates more cost, and to avoid having to have fines and pay extra stuff, everybody just raises their prices. So uh, hence, the Dodd-Frank Act made mortgages more expensive and more harder to get and all that stuff because the government's trying to save the consumer, they're costing the consumer. So it was interesting. And I said, so I want I want a catastrophic plan. I can afford doctor visits. I've never heard of anybody going broke over doctor visits. Our, uh, uh, what my company pays for my, me and my wife, just me and my wife, and we've got 130 employees, and we spend over $600,000 a year. But what we were paying for me and my wife three or four years ago was $10,800 a year, $900 a month. This year with our renewal, $30,000 a year, $2,500 a month for the same plan. I said, hey, you know what? I'm not going to go broke. 
to abide by this. And something's got to change. And I said, what do you, you doctors get together and you guys chit chat about this stuff. What are you guys seeing? And uh, my doctor said two things. He said, number one, no matter what tr- Trump signs, and he, he mentioned the, you know, the, the executive action he took last week. He says, when Trump signs it, makes these changes, and we're gonna, two years before we're going to see it actually unfold into real life. And he said, uh, a lot of people are, are going, to, going to Lloyd's of London. And he goes, they're just saying, hey, forget, I'm going to buy insurance outside, outside the United States. And they're just going outside. And I said, well, will Loma Linda take that? He goes, Loma Linda doesn't care where they get the money. If your insurance company will pay it, they'll take it. And uh, say, you know what? I instructed my insurance lady, hey, I want you to make an inquiry with Lloyd's of London because we're on, uh, we're supposed to be open enrollment in a couple of weeks. So uh, say, you know what? I'm just not going to pay that. And you're going to see this is going to affect everybody. But that's what happens. That's what happens with the insurance companies. That's how that's how everything works. So anyway, let's go on. Let's go on the rest of the story. So according to the Congressional Budget Office, Obamacare does in fact have mechanisms in place to transfer an estimated. 49 billion with a B like boy in federal money to private insurance companies this year and another 63 billion in 2018. Here's some more from the president at the cabinet meeting. The gravy train ended the day I knocked out the insurance company's money, which was last week. Hundreds of millions of dollars a month handed to the insurance companies for very little reason, believe me. I want the money to go to the people. I want the money to go to poor people that need it. I want the money to go to people that need proper health care, not to insurance companies, which is where it's going. As of last week, I ended that. You know what? I'm sure Trump doesn't know very much about health insurance, but you know what? There's common sense out there. And the problem is our, none of our politicians, well, except for about 17 of them in Congress and Senate that are actually doctors, um, most of our Congress people don't have any idea about any of this stuff. But you know what? If you treat our tax money, our money that pays for the government, it doesn't come out of Trump's pocket. It never came out of Obama's pocket. comes out of us taxpayers' pockets. If you, if you treat that money like it's your own, you make different decisions, and that's what Trump's doing. And some of you millennials out there might say, Trump is such a moron. He talks so unpresidential. He says mean things. I don't like him. At least Obama was civil. You know what? Meow. Get over it. We need someone that looks at this country and says, I'm going to lead the country. I'm not looking out for my best interest. I'm not going to try and make everybody feel happy because I'm going to give them something. I'm going to do what's best for this country and and watch the and watch the the... The nest egg like it's my own. Okay? That's how... You know what? We saw this with Ross Perot in 1992. You know what? I'm going to treat this like a business. Well, you look at the, the deficit. We're spending money like this. Blah, blah, blah. I got to see it, feel it, touch it, taste it. Pass through my lower intestine before I can diagnose it. What would do? Some of you guys don't remember what how Ross Perot talked. But I thought he was going to be great. We're going to have a businessman run our country. So anyway, let's go on to the next thing because I'm running out of time. Uh, remember the book Clinton Cash that was published about six months before the election? We talked about this several times before the election. And we talked about Clinton casualties. And we talked about a lot of this stuff that's coming out now. There's a story in there when Obama administration gave the Russian government control of 20% of America's uranium by approving the sale of a company called Uranium One. Uh, there was undeniable connection between Bill and Hillary Clinton. So, and the and the company was transferred to the Russian government. He gave the Russian government control 
of America's company by approving the sale. Okay, so I want to make sure I said that right. So there's an undeniable connection to Bill and Hillary. Now there's finally reports that confirm this, the government documents that prove the FBI kept this under wraps for over four years. From The Hill this week, printed this. Before the Obama administration approved the, the controversial deal in 2010, giving Moscow control of a large swath of American uranium, the FBI gathered substantial evidence that Russian nuclear industry officials were engaged in bribery, kickbacks, extortion, and money laundering designed to grow Vladimir Putin's atomic energy business and, in, and in actually expanded inside the United States, according to the government documents and interviews. Federal agents used a confidential U.S. witness working inside the Russian nuclear industry to gather financial records, make secret recordings, and intercept emails as early as 2009 that showed Moscow had compromised an American uranium trucking firm with bribes and kickbacks in violation of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Hold on a second. Let me go off script here. Federal agents used a confidential U.S. witness working inside the Russian nuclear... Wait! Is America trying to get involved in the Russian nuclear business and influence the Russian nuclear business? What next? Are they going to try and influence their elections? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, I forgot. We do that anyway. Um, so they also obtained an eyewitness account backed by documents and indicating that Russian nuclear officials had routed millions of dollars to the U.S. designed to benefit former President Bill Clinton's charitable foundation during the during the time that Secretary of State Hillary Clinton served on the government body that provided a favorable decision to Moscow. Oh my goodness. Hillary Clinton's on the committee that approves this thing and they're funneling money to Bill Clinton's Clinton Foundation. Hmm. Two completely separate people. I mean, it's not like Bill and Hillary are married. It's not like they sleep together or anything. And probably, I'm sure it's probably no, it's probably not a problem. The racketeering scheme was conducted with the consent of higher level officials in Russia who shared the proceeds from the kickbacks one agent declared in an affidavit years later. Now, when you hear part, then you hear the part federal agents used a confidential U.S. witness. That means FBI informant. Basically, he spied for our government and gathered proof on his scheme. Here is his attorney, Victoria Tonesing, who, taught, who uh, did an interview on Hannity. Well, when he started working for the FBI in 2009, they had him sign what's called an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement. Uh, they never gave him a copy of it. And when he went public in 2016, way after all this case stuff was done, the Justice Department under Loretta Lynch called him and threatened him with his freedom if he violated the NDA. Now, I've never heard of an NDA that had a criminal penalty for violation, but they won't show him a copy of it. So we decided to go to the members of Congress in the Senate, and I have breaking news for you, Sean. Uh, while I was in makeup, I got a letter from Chairman Grassley asking my client to give them information. Now, what this does is set up a constitutional issue because the executive branch cannot say to someone, don't you give information to the legislature. So it'll be a very interesting thing wow. to see how so, the Justice Department responds. So they have the power to lift that NDA. That would be amazing. Hmm, that's interesting. The Justice Department said, "said Hey, if you uh, if you if you talk, we're gonna we're gonna punish you and take your some of your liberties away." Hmm, is there something stinky going on here? John Solomon, the reporter who wrote the story for the Hill. 
let's listen to uh, Hannity ask him the question that's on everybody's minds right now. Where did the money come from? Because you talk about money laundering. Where did the right. money that got into the Clinton Foundation come from? Well, we don't know that yet. I think we have to find that out. We do know that the money for the kickbacks came from the form of the contract. So uh, the Russian company would pay uh, a contract to the United States, and the contractor would then would kick that money back to enrich Vladimir Putin's buddies back in Russia. That is what's been established in the court case. Where the money came from for the Clinton Foundation, we don't know except what's in the public records. We know a bank interested in the deal gave Bill Clinton $500,000 speech fee. We know other people interested in the deal donated millions of dollars over the years. Yeah, it's probably not anything related that, you know, the week that these things get approved that Bill Clinton goes over and gives a speech for an hour and gets $500,000. Eh, probably dink. I don't think, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any there there, do you? I don't know. Uh, you know, because they're, it's just because they have the same last name doesn't mean they're connected. It's not like they sleep together or anything, uh, you know, so uh just amazing just amazing to me this stuff is is happening and if you remember uh when we talked about clinton casualties and we tied we put all the and if, and if you're not sure oh you know we have the list we don't have the show i probably put the show up on my uh on my website so you can hear the the verbal version of it without all the with without having to read it um it's got it's got more more voice inflection and and tone and stuff than reading it on a paper so anyway um the connections between so they make a, they make a deal with these Russian people that are part of the Russian government, and all of a sudden these people that are involved in this company are making donations to the Clinton Foundation, which is charitable contributions. Except for then they pay a a, a company called uh, Taneo Holdings, Taneo Holdings, which is a consulting company run by Bill Clinton. Oh, how how ingenious of a way to get money out of a five hundred one c three charitable contribution sticking in Clinton's pocket. I don't know. Might be might be coincidence. In a hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee Wednesday, Senator Chuck Grassley asked Attorney General Jeff Sessions what he knew about this. Uh, reports suggest that the Clinton Foundation received millions of dollars from interested parties in the transaction. Uh, Bill Clinton received 500000 for a speech in Moscow, June 2010, from the Russian government aligned bank. The same month as the speech, Russia gave, began the uranium acquisition process. This fact uh, pattern raises serious concerns about improper political influence uh, on the process by uh, the previous uh, uh, by by the Clintons during the Obama administration. Has the Justice Department fully investigated whether the Russians compromised the Obama administration's decisions to smooth the way for transactions? And if not, why not? Yeah, if not, why not? I would like to know why they're not investigating a lot of stuff. What I heard, what I had heard somebody say was that uh, Jeff Sessions doesn't want to look back; he only wants to look forward. But there's a whole bunch of us that say, "Why is it okay for Lois Lerner to lead the IRS to discriminate against Republicans? Why is it okay for Hillary Clinton to to uh, to use the pay for play scam and use her office to make money for her?" for her foundation, which goes right into her family. Why is it okay for her to do do what she did on the, on the, with the emails? Why is it okay that we're not looking farther into where was everybody on the night of Benghazi? Why is it okay that any of this stuff, Eric Holder uh, was in contempt of Congress and all he did was just say no. And Obama said, okay, you don't have to. And uh, we, we don't know why, why John Terry, the border patrol agent is dead. Uh, It's amazing. Um, Attorney general in that session there, what he was, uh, uh, repeatedly insisted on that 
uh, hearing with the oversight committee that his private talks with President Clinton about firing of James Comey were off limits, infuriating Democrats for months who had sought details of it. Um, naturally, one of those Democrats was Al Franken, Stuart Smalley. Al Franken needs to go back to Saturday Night Live. First it was, I did not have communications with Russians, which was not true. Then it was, I never met with any Russians to discuss any political campaign, which may or may not be true. Now it's, I did not discuss interference in the campaign, which further narrows your initial blanket denial about meeting with the Russians. Since you have qualified your denial to say that you did not, quote, discuss issues or, uh, of the campaign with Russians, what, in your view, constitutes issues of the campaign? Well, let me just say this without hesitation, that I conducted no improper cam uh, discussions with Russians at any time regarding a campaign or any other uh, item facing this country. Okay, how uh, do you know? I want to say that first. And that's been the suggestion that you've raised and others, that it was somehow we had conversations that were improper. May I suggest that, uh, that? No, 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 you had a long time, Senator Franken. I'd like to respond. Okay. I think I have a... Uh, well, note, note that Senator Cruz went two minutes over, so I don't want... Uh, well, they're going to cut me off, and so I want to ask you some questions. I w no, I don't, Mr. Chairman, I don't have to sit in here and listen uh, to his... Uh, You're uh, the one who charges without having a chance to respond. Give me a break. Go ahead. Take whatever. It, it was not a simple question, Senator Franken. I'm sorry. It, it was not a simple question. Uh, the lead-in to your question was very, very troubling. You know what? If I remember correctly, I remember uh, uh, Jeff Sessions saying that he never had any meetings with people, but. He doesn't know who he might have talked to at the Republican convention or at any of this stuff. You know, he, he might he said, hey, who knows? I talked to a lot of people. I don't know who some of these people are. They just got up and talked. I'm a senator and I was involved in a campaign and blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. Thanks for listening to the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman and I'll be back again with you next week. The content in this program is not intended to be legal advice. The views expressed are those of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate. Broker license number 0114-7747 and California Finance Lenders license number 603-K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MB number 096199.